The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the host slash guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any of BXR entities and those they represent. Hey, what's up, world? <clears throat> this is Nate. Uh, no, I'm not back home. I'm actually in my office, and I'm tired of shit. I'm just going to put it out there like that. I'm, I'm not going uh, to sugarcoat it or um, pretend. Um, I'm tired. Those damn children, woo, today has been a day. And it was crazy because um, we had two, well, actually three different graduations uh, at the school I'm at. We had our pre-K, kindergarten, and fifth graders. But in addition to that, I still had a couple classes that I had to teach because so many students graduated today. Um, <coughs> a few of my classes were canceled, but I still had to be in the building. So that meant dealing with some of the students that were still left behind, the still students who were still a part of the school day that did not graduate. And I'm tired. Um, oh, and I'm tired. Um, yeah. Today has been, I did have a crisp white linen shirt on, and it's still white, but um, mm. It's real wrinkled because it just got serious. Uh, today's show will be a little bit shorter because I need to take a nap. I need to take a nap. I need to get some work done. Um, I need to actually do work in my studio. Um, I've been really neglecting it for the past two weeks. Um, but we are, as we do every Saturday, having a pop-up. Um, so that'll be from 11 until uh, 4. Um, and then I have some activities that I'm doing. So what I've started doing is I've started showing up. Um, I'm really, I got really bad at participating. Um, uh, I got really bad at participating uh, in this activities. They're like going out, um, having fun, you know, getting to see other artists that work. Um, so I, I'm really at a space where I wanted to just get out more, experience some things. Again, I used to always go out like every other night or most nights of the week um, and do art and do theater and just really live life. So, but a, so last weekend, yes, so last Friday, I did not do the show. Um, I came home and I took a nap and then I got up and I went to go see a play at Everyman um, by a, a Baltimorean play, Baltimore playwright. Um, and I actually don't have that name with me, which is bad because I went to go see it and I don't know what it was called. But it's, it's called uh, Don't Cry on TV. It's a really funny, it's like a sitcom on stage. It's really 
it was really fun, funny. Um, and there was a very pivotal moment where there's a phone call and because I'm just, I really haven't been going to theater much, I forgot to turn my phone off and my phone started ringing. So I'm, I'm like, for who ghetto person has turned their phone off, didn't turn their phone off. And it was me. I was the ghetto person. Um, <laughs> and everybody turned around looking, but it was at a very pivotal moment in the play where there was phone calls being done. So it wasn't too embarrassing, um, but yeah. So I, I went to go see a play at Everyman Theater. Um, actually, right before that, I went to go to an art show at the Black Genius Art uh, Studio uh, down on Utah Street. It has a space right next to where they are rebuilding Lexington Market. Um, and there's a couple stores that are there now and those places have been vacant for years, probably since I was a child. Um, and he has a space in it. So he had a really great art show. I'm gonna have the artists from that art show actually come on the show soon. I'm trying to negotiate some times with him. Um, so that was Friday night, Saturday night. I got up really early. I came to the studio. I had a meeting. I opened up the studio space for people to come in. So I had some uh, customers uh, and then um, I worked on a project that I do. Uh, and then I took another little nap because I'm, I think I'm at the age right now where naps are very important and I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad. Um, I'm not mad at it. You gotta take your naps where you can get them. Um, and I take my naps. I'm just trying to share it out to a couple people. If you're watching, please take a moment, share the show out. Let people know what we're doing. We're still here. Um, some it's been so much time. I forget how long we've actually been doing the show um, because my producer doesn't um, give me um, shout outs for being the longest running show on his station. But it's cool. It's cool. Well, I say the second longest running, but really probably the longest running because my show probably ran long than I'm not even gonna say the name, but one day, well, actually we came back yesterday. I think that's, that's technically- um, <laughs> Is that uh, gonna insist on trying that? That's what you're gonna do? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm the longest running, running, running show on the station. Hiatus is excusing the uh, hiatus from uh, Talk Lately, um, one of the longest running shows here, but I digress. <laughs> oh, we got to put somebody on the screen because I look like I'm really late. I just looked at my phone. I'm really laid out right now. But um, I, I'm trying to remember what this this looks like with this black background, this white shirt. It's somebody famous that did something similar. I, I want to say Prince. No, it wasn't Prince. Or Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. It the Billy Jean Jackson. cover. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> he laid out with and, the um, and who was the other one? Not Stevie Wonder, but the man with the curly hair. Richie, something Richie, Lionel Richie. Oh yeah. Oh like yeah. That. Um, but um I should have wore black because it's a lot of whites for uh, camera. Uh but yeah, so that went into Saturday, got it from the net. 
I met up with two of my friends, Mr. Troy Burton, Ms. Tracy Jiggets, and we did a we did a day trip. We went up to a half day trip. We we got on the Mark train and we went to DC and we hung out with DDM um, and watched his show at the Kennedy Center. He was being real bougie at the Kennedy Center and was uh, really good. It was a packed crowd. Um, we got there right on time. Um, and DC traffic is like New York traffic. It's not as bad as LA traffic, but the traffic, literally we left here at maybe three, at four o'clock. So we caught the four o'clock mark train uh, and still managed to get there at six o'clock. And it only took you like 45 minutes or so to get you know, from here to DC, because it was a Saturday, so it wasn't a lot of travelers, but it really took us two hours uh, waiting on a lift and then getting through traffic. It took us almost an hour to wait on a lift and actually get to the Kennedy Center, which is like maybe 15 minutes from the train station, but it took us almost a little, like almost 30, 35 minutes to get there, which is ridiculous. But we got to the Kennedy Center, we got to watch DDM perform a uh, great show. When I say it was a couple people there, we got to sit all the way up the front, a couple people there. And once the show started, I looked back and it was like, you know, if you've ever been to the Kennedy Center, they often have performances in their long corridors, which are extremely long corridors um, at the ends of the space. And that's where the stage was set up. It was an actual stage set up. And we got to perform. And when I say, when I look back, it was packed. Like it was rows on top of rows on top of rows behind us. And it was a really great show. He gave a really great show. Um, he did a couple pieces from each of his uh, albums, which were great. Um, and we left there. We went to Ben's Chili Bowl. And um, I normally have a hot dog but I ventured out to get a um, chili cheeseburger, which was not a good idea because my stomach was rumbling the whole way back home. Um, I finally got back home, got some rest, uh, got up Sunday, and we wound up going to a house performance um, at the Why Not Live. We went to the farmer's market before that. Um, this weekend, definitely get out to the farmer's market um, DJ um, Tommy Davis will be performing right after uh, the farmer's market. So come and check that out. Um, yeah, and this week has been really busy. Everything else has been school related and planning for productions, rehearsals, well, really production meetings. Um, and then tonight, I don't think I'm doing any. I might do something tonight. Depends on um, who hits me up. Um, but yeah, I'm just sure. I'm tired. Three more days left in the school year, and I'm going to definitely enjoy them. It's going to be less students, which means less classes that I have to teach. Um, what else? Mm, I'm going to a play at the Peel Center. I did go see the Peel Center. <laughs> this weekend, but a part of this is just me getting out more and just enjoying not only my city, but, you know, 
to spaces I can get to. You know, we got to go to uh, to uh, DC this week, last weekend, and I really want to go to New York. I want to go to New Orleans. I want to go because I haven't been out. Uh, the farthest I've been is to New Jersey, and that was a, a little drive up with a friend who was going up to check on her house during COVID. Um, but I really didn't get to do much outside of that. I've, I've been to DC a couple of times during the pandemic just to get out for the day um, with a friend. Um, other than that, I've just been chilling, but I am gonna get out more. Um, I need to get out more and get some, get uh, so going back to the gym, get some exercise in. Um, you know, as you get older, things start not working the same way. Nothing's breaking down yet, <laughs> but things aren't working necessarily the way that they always work. So I'm definitely trying to um, just get some things in order, get out more. So if you have any events that you want myself, the Artist Exchange to come out to, definitely hit me up and let me know what's going on. If you had any questions, you want to talk, you want to call in, call 443 Oh, shoot, it was just on the screen. Oh, I can't see that. Uh, what's the phone number again, Marnie? Is it 943? Oh, 642. Call 443-642-9403. Um, call in or you can message me and you can jump on there with me. But um, yeah, if you have any events that you want me to come out to, if you're hosting any events, definitely hit me up. I'm looking to come out. I want to travel this summer. Um, I want to have some fun this summer. So hit me up. Um, we're going to do a couple hot topics today. If you missed the show yesterday, I think it's on the Artist Exchange page as well. But definitely on Be Exposed's page, we did kind of a talk back to the first day of the January 3rd insurrection um insurrection hearing uh why should watch our commentary myself and morning um uh just give our comments and what we thought we were watching you can actually watch the hearing it was it's just a mess it's foolishness i think the actual hearing itself will start back up on monday so you'll be able to watch it it's gonna be very boring and probably very, we are, I would rather watch the Johnny Depp trial again. Um, but this is gonna be a lot of lying, a lot of denying, um, some tears. We got to see one of the officers um, that was injured during the insurrection give her testimony. Um, we also got to watch, um, who was the other person? One of the, uh, I think he was like, a, a film crew that they had that was doing interviews with a number of the people that participated in the insurrection, which is really interesting because these people probably will be telling on themselves. I wonder if any of the people who um, took part in the insurrection will be forced to come in. A number of people have been sent subpoenas and have ignored them, um, Republicans. Um, so, that being what it is, I, 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 I don't know what the outcome of this will be, but I really hope justice is done. I hope Trump is arrested and stripped of some of his, you know, 
uh, what do you call it? Um, titles or such, and uh, his children who also took part in it, as well as his lawyers and many of his staff members who took part in it. Um, I hope that they have in this time that it's taken them to get all this information together, um, really have some real smoke and not just um, wasting the taxpayers' money on, on fluff. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm gonna pull up a couple stories. Um, what, Monty, do you think you, what would, uh, what do you think the outcome of the hearing will be? We didn't really speculate too much. News. I really don't feel like talking about celebrities. So I had picked a bunch of stories. Like there's something about um, Britney Spears. Um, um, her first husband, Jason Alexander, crashes her, her latest wedding. Justin Bieber said half his face has been paralyzed and is canceling shows until he gets better. Probably the crack cocaine. Um, Monkeypox patients have also have sexually transmitted diseases. Um, I, I don't know. And they said that's how it's being transmitted, but they're saying there's a some of the messaging coming from the CDC is saying that because this has been around, they have medication and they're trying to keep it under control, but it is being spread through sexual contact. So be weary. I don't know what that would mean. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's coming up about Johnny Depp's trial. Um, and like the after effects, people making commentate, commentating after the fact, but I really, I, I think we had enough of that. Um, one of the things that is seemingly like kept getting legs uh, is the Monique versus D.L. Hughley debacle. And it's, it's more so in the space of making sure your contract is uh, what it says. So make sure you're getting what your contract says Make sure you're doing the things that your contract says you can do. I think that's a big lesson for many people, artists and entertainers and such that have these contracts, um, especially with these um, promoters. And I think the issue between D.L. Hughley, specifically about the, the comedy show that they were on, it's very much so a, a contractual issue between the promoter and the two of them. Um, and I've known promoters who are very janky, who do things like that. And often the artists get the bad rep in a situation. So say um, your contract says you get 40% of your, um, 40 or 50% of your money up front. So before you even walk into the venue, you've already been sent a certain amount of your money. And once you arrive, some a lot of artists get their money before they go on stage. Um, rarely do you hear of somebody getting their money after they finish a show. That's something that is is not a trustworthy thing because the promoters can definitely leave while you're on stage, leaving you penniless 
or without the, the balance of your money. So making sure and, and understanding a lot of these stories that we hear, and I'm not saying every single one of them, but a lot of these stories can be traced back to a janky promoter who may not, and not necessarily just janky, but a promoter who did not sell, sell out or a, a promoter who uh, don't have all your money for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> or, um, and we've seen this in cases of T.I. coming up as a comedian who's being let, who's been allowed to get on stage after the headliner has always gone on. And there are certain rules when you have concerts or shows like that where you have a, um, when you have a headliner, you know, it's just customary that the headliner closes out the show, you know, so to let someone back on or let someone else on or to have two different people thinking they are the headliners um, <coughs> is bad business from the promoter. Instead of just being honest and probably having to pick someone else because one of them, if not both of them, disagree with that. Um, in this case, Monique is saying that she was given um, the headliner position and D.L. Hughley, I don't believe he showed his contract. I believe he showed the initial um, agreement statement, which is separate from the contract, spelling out what is going to happen. And the promoter looks like he gave both of them probably very similar um, contracts, which is a problem because it, it then ensued an argument between the two of them. And it probably started between the promoter and say Monique or Mon uh, or the 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 promoter and DL, but then eventually the two of them got into it because apparently they had old beef that had not been settled. And and I'm not against Monique, but I'm I want Monique to get what's hers, but I don't want to keep seeing her in the headlines because then that creates a narrative that's not necessarily true, but that becomes reality based off of her reaction. Two things, I, I have a lot of students right now and I keep telling them, it's not necessarily your behavior, it's your reaction to situations that get you into trouble. You may not necessarily be a bad student, but if you feel like you have to react to everything that happens to you, that's gonna get you in trouble. And I, I want Monique to not always feel like she has to respond, even though the entertainment industry, how Black artists are treated, how Black people treat each other, will bully, people will bully you and expect for you not to say anything. People will treat you like garbage and expect for you not to say anything. And I think what's happening with Monique, and I think a lot of us are going through that now, you're not, I just finished talking to my friend Tracy, you at a point where I can't just let you say and do whatever you want to do. And sometimes that means my reputation, my integrity, integrity then gets questioned. But at the same time, how do we, you know, how do you balance that? How do you defend yourself, but not always look like the bad guy? Because right now Monique is starting to look like the bad guy to many people. To me, I understand it. I don't feel that way because we have a lot of artists that are in her similar situation that have come out, but they do get quiet. They don't speak out. They don't speak up, you know, or they find certain ways to do it. But Monique has just gotten the angry black woman or trouble starter marker on her. And I think that's very unfortunate because she just not that, um, 
it, it's just not it's not called for it's not necessary it's not what is needed or necessary but sometimes you still have to defend yourself and i agree with a lot of what she said the thing that is weird to me is how people remark on this situation or on monique in general specifically monique or just in, in, in stories like this in general, people pick from the story and then choose this a soundbite or a, a snippet of the conversation and remark on that. Monique said a lot. I think she went on for maybe 13, 14 minutes in a stand-up special she did in, not a special, but a, a stand-up show that she did in uh, Detroit, I believe that was it. And she went on for about 13, 14 minutes, really going in and telling the truth about, telling her truth about what was going on. And many people took that and made it her angry rant. But in many cases, you know, artists have to eat the reputation that they get from a janky promoter or from, you know, how they're treated backstage. And often you don't get to see that, you don't get to hear it. And a lot of people were like, well, we, you know, those people paid for a comedy show not to hear her rant. But I, I recall Dave Chappelle ranting. I, I recall Kevin Hart ranting. I recall every other comedian uh, talking about Will Smith going on a rant. You know, Wanda Sykes going on a rant. You know, but it just seemed like when Monique does something, it's always blown out of proportion or made more than what it is like Kanye West, you know, uh, some controversial artists like that. But I just feel like um, she, she, I think she said it in her, in her response, I don't fuck with people and I'm tired of people messing with me. You know, and at some point you just get full of it. You get full of people speaking out on you or speaking of your name, you get tired of it. And then a person can only take for so much a person can only deal with it so much before they just over it and they're tired of it. And I, you know, a lot of, I love Monique for that reason because she's so Baltimore. But at some point, like we just saw with, with Will Smith, a person can only take for so much. You know, sorry that you were that person that laid that last straw on that camel's back. Sorry, but you about to get all of this because a person can only take for so much. A person can only deal with it so much before they just explode. And I, I just wanted to mention that, not to even go back and talk more about Monique, but I just find it very unfortunate how people pick and choose sides and they become very selective with their outrage in terms of when when stuff like this happens or when incidents happens, people quick to pick sides. And, and one of the things that Monique said was, you know, go back, and Google D.L. Hughley Monique, and you'll see tons of interviews <coughs> where, where D.L. is speaking out against uh, Monique and, and really bashing her over the last couple of years of this backlash that Monique has gotten from Tyler and uh, Oprah and uh, Lee Daniels. Like she's really gotten a bad rep, and he just lent himself to uh, giving his opinion on who Monique was. And Monique said, you know, this was somebody who I invited to my home. This was somebody who I thought was my friend. And she gave the story of a couple years ago when she went on his show. And she said to, she, she said the story. I just watched another one of her clips where she did a live. And she said, I never spoke about 
a situation where she had went on his show and he wasn't there. She said, honestly, he wasn't there when it happened. She said, uh, one of his co-hosts uh, asked a question, a young lady asked a question about uh, her husband. Would he rather uh, her husband have sex with Lee Daniels with a condom or uh, superhead uh, Corinne Stephens without a condom? Uh, which one would she rather? They, you know, all these these uh, FMAM shows, they play these games on air. And that was one of the things that they asked her. And she just was like, I'm I'm not answering that. I'm going to call DL and see, you know, let him know that this is what you're doing when he's not here. And she said DL's response to her was very much so, you know, well, that's what it is. That's how we get down. And I think that she just, that stuck with her. So this situation was just more and, and heightened more because of that past incident. And I don't think it would have gotten to this degree had had he handled that first situation better, which I don't know how many years ago that was or how long ago that was, but it, it stuck with Monique and her husband. And I, I think people have an issue with her husband being with her and, and supporting her and backing her. And we live in a very single, single society, even though marriage has seemed to be promoted more within the black culture, we still live in a space where people are, they're not used to having a spouse take up for them. And I think that's why, that's where a lot of Monique support is coming from, from people who are couples and people who understand that balance of, you know, this is the person I love and this is the person who, you know, I respect and so on and so forth. But I just want Monique, people to leave her alone. Just, just leave her off so she's not putting it, put herself in a, so she doesn't have to put herself in a situation where she has to defend herself in the more. And, and we, we have to stop bullying each other in that way as well. And I think it's really, uh, it's a hard thing to have to watch play out like this, but it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to take. And hopefully nothing happens to Monique. Um, knock on wood. I hope nothing um, happens to her where people have to regret how they treated her. Because I don't want the Oprahs and the Tylers to get out there and speak so lovely about her character while they're speaking. They're, they're not saying anything. They're staying silent on these issues that they are involved in that has affected her life. Um, due to things that they've said or have not said um, in her defense or in her character. Um, I wanna see more of her friends speak out for her or uh, support her. We only, I, I don't even need to personally see it, but I would hope some of her friends are supporting her behind the scenes and, and giving her that encouragement to realize she doesn't have to respond to everything. And yes, she is a comedian and is unfortunately Unfortunately, that I'm having to say she doesn't have to defend anything because we don't say anything when all the other comedians do it. You know, we just watch all of them jump on a bandwagon um, in support of Chris Rock. Uh, but in this situation, we're watching Monique be almost terrorized and bullied by the entertainment industry and various individuals within the industry, and nobody's saying anything. And it's, I think it's very sexist and it's very telling and how we treat black women 
in the arts and in business settings and so on and so forth. But yeah. Um, our favorite, the next person is uh, Mr. Nick Cannon. Um, in an uh, interview he just did, he talked about, uh, well, a question was asked about allegedly him having three more women pregnant after him saying last year, I believe, that he was going on a sexual hiatus. Uh, these four women are allegedly pregnant by Nick Cannon right now. So far, only two have been confirmed to be pregnant by Nick. A source claims that Nick allegedly has one more woman pregnant outside these four ladies. Nick Cannon has also, uh, Nick, he was on the Angela Yee Show podcast confirming multiple children on the way. And even for, I don't think he was confirming it. I think he, it sounded like it was a joke. So I'm hoping he wasn't confirming it, but he he made a joke saying he's going to have just as many children as he had last year, this year. Um, he said uh, multiple children on the way. Even further, his statement by saying, if you thought last year's numbers was crazy, wait until you see 2022 numbers. Uh, July 21, Nick Cannon said publicly that it was no accident that he has fathered four children with three women in less than a year. It leads one only to wonder and speculate what exactly is going on. So I had just read that, and I, I had asked, I asked you, Ronnie, uh yesterday, you know, what would it, like, how would you feel being one of four children birthed in one year uh, by a man who has, I think he has 11 children now, or is it eight children? I think he has. I think he has eight children or eight baby mothers. I think that's what it is. And he was only pregnant. I mean, he was only he was only married to the first one, which was a Mariah Carey, and they had a set of twins, which are his oldest children. Um, it doesn't say how many children, but he's. I know he's forty-one um, right now. And people, a lot of you see a lot of people saying, "Well, he has the money." But money isn't always it. We see a lot of well-to-do people who are screwed up because their parents were not there for them. And that's the part that I, that leads me to wonder, like, does he have time? Or what type of time is he spending with these children? And I'm, I'm sure he's spending time with his children. But how quality is that time? And, and when I spoke to, when me and Monty were talking about this yesterday on the show we did, um, I wondered how... Um, what would happen? Because if you're having children, multiple children within a year, that means at least if 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 what is put being alleged is true, um, it really like some of them will be the same age. So what happens when proms come up? You know, the question I put out there was, do they all live in California with him? You know, or are they some on the West Coast, some in Atlanta, or, you know, and are, are they in other states? And how does he handle that? Yeah, he probably can fly private or he can afford to take multiple trips within a week or within a day. But how much time does he have to really do that if he's working two and three jobs, you know, that are typically taped or 
for short periods of the year and he probably still has a summer open and whatnot. But, you know, how often are all the children coming over? Do all the children know each other? That, that makes it important, you know, and he's having these children, like he had three last year, I believe. Um, this is a little snippet of uh, what he, the show that was on. It says you have three babies on the way. Is that true or false? When you say on the way, <laughs> you know what? God damn it! I don't know what couch you at? I'm like, let's just put it on the way. They're on not your way. So that that was just a that was Angela Angela Yu's show, um, where he was doing an interview, and I, I, and I, maybe because I work in a school system, so I'm seeing children who are depressed, who are acting out, who are having triggers and traumas and struggles from home life being carried into uh, school life. I'm watching multiple siblings. siblings Children who are siblings, um, in a in the same grade, dealing with um, how to uh, try not to show all my mess. Um, I'm I'm I've literally I've had students who had one or two other siblings in their grade um, and the parents, and they really don't know each other. They know probably they are siblings or the parents will say, I don't want my child sitting near this person or I don't want my child in this class with this person. And then we find out that that's really their sibling. And you know, the, the parent has had multiple, in most cases, the dad has had multiple children. Um, with various people at the same time. So now all their children are in the same grade or go to the same school or, and it, it becomes, you know, I've seen fights and arguments in the middle of the school. 
you know, out in the hallway or on the parking lot with these mothers or between the parents um, over the children, that then spills down to the children. Now, in this case, they're all siblings and their dad is very wealthy, probably is spending as much time as he can possibly spend with each one of them. I'm just confused as to what's the what's the group life like? Like, what is the, um, how do they know each other? Do they know each other? You know, are Mariah's kids being, you know, combined with all the other families or is Mariah saying, and I'm not, I'm just alleging, you know, is Mariah saying, they, those are not my children. I don't want my children around them. You know, what is the, what is the unity space like? You know, are they being kept separately or are they treated like separate families? Um, do they know each other? I'm quite sure they know of each other, but do they really know each other? Do they get to spend time with each other as a group of siblings? How are they being raised together? Those are the questions that I have. You know, I'm sure he's able to take care of them. I'm sure he's not able to give each one of the children like quality time. And that's that's something that I would, be very uncomfortable personally if this was me. But yeah, he seems to be real. Really... So. I, I think um, he would be able to give them each quality time. I mean, what does quality time mean then? If he can spend a day with them, how often? More you know, than likely, that's probably what it is. But what if I need? What if I'm going through something right now, and I need you today, and today's not my day? Like how how did how do you explain that to your children? And I don't personally. We don't know the dynamic of their right. family and what they know and what they understand mm -hmm. about this. But I am saying I'm watching children who, because their parents work two and three jobs and they don't have time, that then reflects their behavior in school. So but we I also say, still got to realize that they, those jobs that those people probably have, it's not the job that Nick Cannon has. Yeah, but at this, and I, and I get that, but time away is time away, regardless of what your job is. But that's what I'm saying, but where he may work only two or three hours a day, <laughs> it's not the same as them working two or three jobs, make working 20 hours a day. But if you have, like, he doesn't just have four children. Like, at first he had twins. Mm. So it would be, you know, juggling two different children is one thing that's in the same household but when you got the divorce and you separated and you start having multiple children what does that quality time look like are you saying to your child so your day maraca and i can never remember the other Monroe, maraca and Monroe. your day is mondays and, and wednesdays or your day is mondays and fridays and then the other children have to Get what's and it's probably over. not like that because they, you know, they are a little bit older. They probably got schedules of their own that they got to take care of. Mm -hmm. the, his quality time is probably for them more so showing up to the game, showing up to a ballet recital for Monroe or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. That is different now because he doesn't live in the home. So they do have their own schedules outside of his parental control. Right. But see, like in our generation, well, in our, you know, in my generation, because money's much older than me. Um, uh, if we, I think we did not see the effects of the neglect until we were older, like adults. Mm -hmm. 
But these children are now showing the effects right now. Like they are acting out right now. And that's something that has always happened, but I am seeing more and more children act out of neglect due to neglect, right? Like in the moment of it. It's not something that over time has affected them, it's affecting them now. There are more children that are being put into temporary foster care or um, having therapists. There are more children that have therapists now than I've ever seen in a school system before. They're in a school system. They're not only uh, one or two therapists in a school, there's a social worker in the school. I don't recall there ever being a social worker in my school. Um, not just a guidance counselor, but an actual social worker. There's one or two therapists. There are IP, IEP specialists. There are feeling coaches, like literally a person who deals with that child's feelings. You know, and, and these are multiple people, not just a, you know, it, it used to be just like the speech uh, therapist or, you know, um, maybe special education. They had a special person, but they're social workers that are in a school full time. Like mm. the school that I have, we have an actual social worker that's in the school. Mm. Now that means there are some things that, that being there, that, that becomes a wraparound service that the, the school system offers. And I'm starting to see more and more people who are dealing with this, like children that are dealing with this. They may not have both of their parents. <coughs> a parent may have died, but those are the typical things. But I have had a, I've had a student who, who dad FaceTimes him at the same time every day. And we're in the middle of class and his dad will FaceTime him because his dad does not live here. So his dad feels it necessary to FaceTime him because he's in another state on another coast and it's a different time period. Mm -hmm. Well, what is 7 a.m. to you is like what 10 a.m. here. Like, so you have to, like, you're not even thinking about that, but he's trying to spend quality time and your child's in school at the time. But that's that's my only art. I just don't feel like you can, I don't care how much money you have, you can't give that many kids quality, quality time. Because quality for this child may be, like you said, just showing up to their recital, showing up. But this child may need some more emotional therapy. You know, if you have multiple children, at least one of them are going to have something emotionally going on with them. And that's just natural. But how, do, how can you address that? And they do have both parents, but you are the common denominator in all of this. Like, they, at some point, they're going to need their father and not just their mother to pick up that slack. And some of the some of the parents have multiple children with them. And he's I hate the fact that we harp on them, but I see a lot of people dragging, like I said yesterday, dragging Kiki Wyatt for having 11 children. But they all live in her home. You know, she can see and touch them every day. And it's still a level of neglect even with that because it's going to be a child that feels like they were slighted or they were ignored or neglected. So I, I, I come from a family where there were 15, 18 children, six children, 10 children. My mother's the oldest of 11. My father's kind of in the middle of six. Uh, so they're big families. And there's always one child that just felt neglected. I look at my aunts and uncles and I can tell which one 
felt neglected based off what they physically said and how their life has unfolded. But it just feels like I don't think the parent, like Nick Cannon, I don't think he is aware of that based off his interviews. I don't know this man personally, but just based off his interviews, because what he initially said was this was to help him build his legacy. If he was to die today or tomorrow, he would want his name to, to live on. But your name living on and fucked up children don't really mix. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want that to be my legacy. A bunch of children that felt neglected or felt like they didn't have a parent. So, would you have multiple children? Would I have multiple children? Yeah. That was your, that was your question to me, and I don't have any. Would you have multiple children? When you, but what do you mean by multiple children? Multiple children by multiple people in one yeah. year? Yeah. No. I you know how. But beyond uh, but but beyond beyond being a whole, wouldn't you think about how that would affect your children? I wouldn't want children who were separated by home or relationships. Well, not necessarily, because all right. Let's say, for instance, I had three kids this year. This year, this year is not my time to worry about that. Next year is not my time to worry about that. Three, maybe they starting to remember people. Because the only mm -hmm. people they really remember is their mother and their father. Mm -hmm. But they're not really they're, they're still developing memories and all that kind of thing in the first three years. Mm -hmm. Three, yes, I'm going to start introducing them to their siblings. And then so on and so forth. They're going to start building a relationship with their sibling every time they I can get them all together. Every now and then, might be you might see one or two of your brothers and sisters, or you might see all mm -hmm. of them. But at one point, you're going to meet, you're going to meet them all. And I think that's probably what he's trying to do. He's going to make it a responsibility on himself that at one point, maybe Christmas time, that all his children have to be in one room. Yeah, like they're not coming here. <laughs> and I don't think he would want to go there. And I don't think he would want to bring his all his children together there because he don't know if one of the, the parents are, are going to want to come. So I'm thinking he would probably take him to his home and do Christmas at his house with all the kids. And if the parents would like to, you know, the mothers would like to come, then they can come. Well, why even? Because I'm sure you have to understand that at this point now that he, I'm sure they know now that there's three other or two other baby mothers this year, that this mm -hmm. was not going to be a relationship. Yeah, but, to, but and I, that's one, that's another side of this because he kept saying, he was saying he tried to go to therapy you know, to, to right, to, these was all slip ups, basically. That's what he was saying, but yeah, but that that becomes a sound bite that your child can eventually hear, like, Oh, you just was fucking. that's how I came to be. Like, mm -hmm. I, I would want it to be more meaningful, but it wasn't at all. <laughs> your parents were married, so you you probably wasn't a slip up, yeah. My but mother it feels, wasn't, it would feel different, but I it, don't know. I never asked her the question, was we a slip up, but. Most people yeah, are slip-ups. Most different. people are mistakes. <laughs> yeah, but a mistake in a healthy relationship is like, oh, uh, it's a little struggle. But when you having a baby by somebody you don't even know. Right. Like, that's the legacy that, uh, that's the but legacy. But that's not his accountability. Child. And it's not just his accountability. It's in question here. It's the mom's too. 
Because she was sister thirsty. She got her come up. So do she ever, do she really have a leg to stand on in an argument about when he comes to see his child when you knew how this happened? Right. And that was the argument online because many of the people were not going after him. They were going after recently, her. Right. They've been recently becoming, he's recently became the target. But before, it was the women like, why the fuck would you deal with a man that just for keeps having children? Of course, for a come up. Right. She won't be a wild and out girl. <laughs> then she gonna be a wild and out girl. One of them was a wild and right. out girl. That's, That's what I'm saying. And then she gonna come out on stage with her belly and twirl around in front of everybody. Well, you gotta lose your job because I can't <laughs> have you pregnant on stage being a wild and out girl. It just, I, I, it's just something that just feels uncomfortable to me. And it's really because I think with me having a foot in the educational system and I'm just, I'm directly connected with the children, I am seeing the effects of neglect with a child. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's one, one of my, one of my- students. I mean, I like his stance on how he handles this though. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of like trust but verifies. Like mm-hmm. if one of the girls tells me he's pregnant, he'd be like, okay, I don't know yet. I, we can give you the DNA test and, and let's find out. But if the child is mine, it will be well taken care of. Yeah, but that... But that's financial. I know what you're saying. That's financial. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of us didn't have financial stability. And look how fucked up some of us are. Without financial stability, though. That was without financial stability. Yeah, we but fucked I'm up saying, without it. But, but the financial part, as, as the point that you're making, because there's a financial security there, okay, that part of it is, you know, secure. We don't have to worry about, you know, not getting the things that we need in life or being homeless or anything like that. But I would think that is something that you can overcome mm-hmm. over time. Not really. Mentally not thinking that your dad loves you or wanted to spend time with you or thought about you. I think that's a more deep, deeply rooted issue and that would take more time for me and i know for me that's that was part of my story you know my dad had four other children within his marriage mm-hmm. to my mother and that was a big part of me like well and i was i'm not oldest and that a big part of that for me was like so i wasn't enough not sliding them but I'm not enough. Like I just, I, to a, a degree, I felt like I wasn't enough. Like, you know, you no, had- but they were oops. They were oopses. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna say that because they might watch this, but- I mean, saying, come on, at this point, they have to know that he was a married man and you are oops. Well, yeah. <laughs> they have to know that by yeah, then. But at the same time, that, that setup is not their issue. Is directly with him, and that's the right. Know, and it I, would be, I, I, and it would I be. Felt, it wouldn't be with your mother because she was she was the innocent party here. It mm-hmm. would be with him. Their gripe is right. always going to be with him. And and that's the that's the part that worries me because it was time spent with the children, but in that my parents had separated. They did not get a divorce. They separated, and he went out and had other children. Mm-hmm. So. Do you are you thinking like is the nut that good that you that you focus on that? 
And what, not, what do you mean? For, for wanting to have the baby? Yeah, like the act of having a baby becomes more of the focus than, oh shit, this child is, this is a human being right here. I, well, I, I mean, to, to, to try to step into a woman's mindset, sometimes a, a woman is focused on uh, not not the abortion aspect of it, but the, the fact that, will this be my only chance mm-hmm. at having yeah. a baby? Yeah. But I, I never, that has never been something that I've agreed with. You know, single parent, like planned single parenthood. Like, I don't, that to me is crazy and mm-hmm. wild because children need balance in life. And I'm not saying, you know, they need a mother and a father in the household because there are plenty of examples of well-rounded children who did not have that. But that's but just like so you gave hard. that example of the man that's in California keeps uh, and he's video calling his child. Yeah. He is trying to be a presence. Yeah, but are maybe maybe at the wrong time. At the wrong time. I agree with you. Yeah. But he's trying to be a presence. It just needs to and, be a and right now, probably all he's doing right now is as as in physical parenting is providing funds. Funds. But he's trying to puzzle, put a face to what's happening because he lives in California. He can't be in two places at once. Especially, but that's a great example. His job probably took him to California. He can't be here because his job is there. And then what if the mother never wanted to move to California or they're not together? But those are the types, and see, you know, I I did another show out of Atlanta and this was always a recurring, when we would get questions in, this was, this is always a recurring question or a conversation piece. When you're dating someone, these are the type of questions that need to be asked up front. And we said we have a tendency of not wanting to ask these questions. Because but I can we tell you was definitely not dating. They weren't dating. This wasn't a date. Mm-mm. This was me getting right. some ass. And, but the, and as a result my, of me getting some ass, a baby was produced. And that's my perspective on dating. Like, I But that's his stupidity necessary. because they, either he wanted to do that, either he wanted to get her pregnant because he knows he's working with a monster and that he's very fertile. Well, these alleged, first of all, you dumb as shit. But, but <laughs> I see that. So. Allegedly, allegedly, these children that will be born in 2022, he basically just blamed the fact that his child died in 2021 on the fact that he's about to have four more children, allegedly. Four more children. Which is fucking crazy. Uh, well, I think that child was a part of your string of nuts. Well, I got I, I understood what he was saying when he said that about because he was depressed. I get it. And you get horny when you're depressed. You want affection when you're depressed. Well, I no, because I thought that the key to his depression was the celibacy. But what ended up messing him up even further is the depression took hold of that and made him relapse, basically. Well, no, the dep- he, well, the way I heard him say it was the depression stemmed from him losing his child. Right. And he would celibate so because of His therapist of thought he should slow down and let's refocus. Because I really thought when he lost that child, that that would be a turn for him. Like, you know what? Maybe I need to stop just having children. To feel, and then for me, it feels a lot like I'm trying to fill a void. Isn't the kid the only child? So he got only child I syndrome? Believe, yeah, I believe he is the only child. 
And so he got only child syndrome. So now he wants a real big family. Well, you can't blame him for that. It just something. Mariah is not having no more. Okay, she's done. Her closets are closed. I, I think because she probably waited later, it probably was more of a health issue for her. Mm-hmm. Twins and done. Right. It looked like she had a very uncomfortable pregnancy. Twins and done. Right, but but he wants a big family, but I don't think he wants the family environment, which is unhealthy for. The children involved. It's. I just feel like it's very unhealthy. I don't know, but you keep saying unhealthy. There it's are some. There. I don't know about that because it depends on. Like I said, it depends on the treatment of each individual child. So you don't feel like you don't feel like um, you don't feel like if your parents would have been a, had a healthier relationship and focused on you and your siblings more you would have turned out different? So you're asking me to say if my parents were different people? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I don't, that's a, a hypothetical that I can't even put in my head because I've lived this life. If they were different people, yes, it would be totally, probably be totally different, but would it be something that I liked? But uh, but the question. Right. But even in whether you liked it or not, do you see how you would have turned out differently? I don't know. There's a whole bunch of people out here that became mass shooters that had two parent homes. I don't know. But you went you I mean, you kind of took the same route, but minus the shootings, but you became a very introverted person. Do you think you would have been that introverted person if your parents would have paid more attention. And you're the youngest, correct? But I became more introverted as an adult. I wasn't introverted as a child. Mm-hmm. I, I totally was not. I was outside. Well, I was, was doing things. Was... I was going places. I was very... I became more introverted as an adult because I've seen what adulthood looks like. Mm-hmm. 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 And why I don't like humans at this point. That was an adult thing. <laughs> and I, I know for me... Based off of my what I saw from my parents, it it forced me to question every relationship I ever had. Not to say that it was so much damage done to me, but I just did not trust relationships mm-hmm. with individual people. And and I, I know that you know I'm not blaming my parents for who they were. I'm just saying I used to always say in my head, I wish my parents would have tried a little bit harder. But that that would have meant something different to both of my parents. And I would, for my mother, I wouldn't want my mother to try hard for something that just wasn't there. And I wouldn't want my father to try hard for something that he just wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. I wish he was prepared for. Oh, yeah. That started from his parents mm-hmm. and my mother's parents. Like that. Those things, it, it's not just, it didn't start with them. It just, no, it, it was a result part of, of it. it. And, you know, a lot of this would be different if we, if everybody's parents had a different mindset on raising children, not or just a better try- support system. But that too, but it, it, it's all, some, most parents, I don't know if it was me and your parents, but most parents had this idea that when 18 got here, I was done. Hmm. 
And who is that fair to when you're done at 18? Because who's going to pay for my college? Yeah, because that's oh, I'm on like my a, own for that. That's so now, like I gotta, now I got something else to present you for. Because now how am I supposed to make it in this life with nothing but my high school education? And see, my mom was the exact opposite. If I wanted to still be with my mother, I would still be at that house. Mm -hmm. and, and so you were crippled in a way that there was no plan for you after the fact. For me, it was no plan, but the plan was to keep me there for the rest of our life. Oh, keep, keep you at home. Keep you right. at home for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. I've seen that too. Mm -hmm. So that, that then becomes the other side of it. And that's more of a protective measure because I guess she saw how her siblings were like you had the same situation with you. Okay, you 18 now, so you got to- But I think we should out. start evaluating our parents. I think kids should start evaluating their parents as well. Do you feel as though you've done a good job with me? Well, that's so my point from the beginning, that is what I see children doing now because mm -hmm. they are equipped with these social, we didn't have social workers right, in right. the school system growing up. And we were, we know fucking well we wasn't gonna talk to no guidance counselor about no shit like that. Cause mm -hmm. that could mean us being taken away if they thought something was it's going wrong. Mm -hmm. But now there are social workers and therapists in school that are giving children, well, I'm gonna say teaching children how to communicate their feelings, but they're giving them verbiage to be able to, like one of my students will say to me, um, if I say, do you want me to call your mother? She's not going to come up here. My mother's at work. Mm -hmm. She's not going to get off. That's my a total mindset that should mother. not exist. That yeah. because you are at work, your child has to suffer. Mm -hmm. Or your child feels like you're not, you're not involved because you mm -hmm. have to work. Or you're not going to take the time. Because a lot of children, they'll look at a teacher that is hard on them. Like we used to look at a teacher that was hard on us. Like that teacher really cared. And but if it, today, that's different. Go ahead. And here's another point too, because if if parents would have realized, like like we, you know, us looking on the inside, looking from the outside, looking on the inside on somebody's family, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you would have realized that everything that you learned in school was going to be repeated through your child. Would you have forgotten all that knowledge? Because we can't help. I mean, at this point, yep. most parents can't help their children with their classwork because you mm -hmm. don't remember nothing that they're doing. Algebra, that's went out the window. Calculus, that's definitely gone out the window. And you did all of that stuff and you forgot Hopefully you that did you it. were going to have kids. Yeah. You forgot that you also want to have children, but that wasn't instilled in you, though. Mm -mm. That wasn't instilled in you. you your, your instillment was that, oh, don't you get pregnant? Don't you yeah. get pregnant? But that's not the way I think it should have been taught. Don't you get pregnant now? That is for the future. Mm -hmm. But this is a proud. good stepping stone for you to remember the classwork that you're learning now because somebody's going to ask you about it later. And that's, that's a part of the messaging that I try to give you know, to some of my one-on-ones with students. Like if I see a, a young person that's struggling in a certain space, not just academically, but just, you know, with friendships and getting into trouble, I try to give them some of that information that one, I was given or I should have been given. Mm -hmm. And that's that's something that one of the reasons why I'm still a teacher, because I can, I now am in a space where I can give that type of information 
to a young person and know what I'm talking about. Because that's one of the things that doesn't happen these days is that you're not, your child is not being directed into a path. You don't have that question at home. What do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. To keep them on track. I remember what I wanted to be when I grew up. When Mm. I was a child, I wanted to be a salon owner. I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. I did accomplish that. Mm. But did I want to do that? Is that really what I wanted to do? If I had been asked that question all around all the time, the whole time, maybe it still would have led me here. (coughs) But at a different rate, because I would have knew that I had my education. It it was locked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case. Because no one asked me that question. I think I never got asked that question after the fifth grade. Well, well, and see, that's a problem mm-hmm. because for for young men is different than for, for young women, for children in general, by the time you're 16 and people don't, and, and it used to be 16, I think it's even earlier now. now. I was asked that at school. Don't get me wrong. I was still being asked right. that at school. What do I want to do when I grow up? And that's when I started feeling like I wanted to move into the accounting field. And then that's what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. But it should have started at home as well. And all of this stuff has to start from where you thrive at. And yeah. home is where you thrive. School is where you learn. And that, but see, that is that then becomes a bigger problem for for our young people because so when I ask young people that question now, and I think we used to have an answer that was like a firefighter or a lawyer oh, a police or a police officer or, or right. right. But these children just outright, I don't know. I don't know. That's, a, that's the thing that I always hear now from children. They don't know what they want to do. But they don't even have no direction. They, don't, they haven't seen anything. It's so isolating where I do remember going on field trips that my parents wasn't, you know, didn't go on. You know, mm-hmm. with the, our community center, we would go different places and see different things, see different jobs, see different things of people doing stuff that we never would have saw without these opportunities. And these children don't have these opportunities because where are they going? But if it's not with the school, they're taking them to the museum, to the zoo, and that's it. And it's in, in, but you'll never that, see what your mother do because I've never been to a bring your child to work day. But see, my mother worked in my elementary school. Oh, for see, that's different. Grade, she was already at work. Right. <laughs> for fourth grade, she was my teacher. My teacher had to leave, and she became the teacher. And it mm. was and it was a different dynamic. So I always got to see what my mother did. It wasn't until middle school and then eventually high school where I was separated from her. But I still saw the work that she did. Mm-hmm. So my mother often brought her work home in the form of a fucking family or a child. What's so interesting, now that I think back on growing up and my my work history, right? I tend to model, in my younger years, I tended to model my work history after my sister. We all worked at the same places. Mm -hmm, A supermarket, mm -hmm. Popeyes, um, moving on over to doing data entry for a company and things like that. And, And it's so interesting that I can see who I was wrapping my role model hat around. And it was my yeah. sister and not my mother. Damn sure not my father, because I would be in prison right now. <laughs> or in a grave. I mean, in that mm. bucket in my closet. Mm, it's so morbid. <laughs> Out of control. But that began, that, 
that that then becomes your measuring stick of how you want to live your life. For me, I saw people working. So as soon as I could, I got a job and I earned a paycheck. And that's what I saw. I never wish that was my motivation. I wish that was my motivation. My motivation was not that. My motivation was to get out of here. See, I, I mean, have I to had get to out of here and be on my own. I need the money to get my own place and get out of here. See, and that, and see, that's the that, that urgency wasn't in me because I knew I always had a house to live in. Mm-hmm. I, I never felt I like had a house to live in. I just didn't want to live in it. I needed to get and, out. Right. And then I didn't feel pushed out of the house. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I, either. My, I my, energy, <laughs> my energy was, hey, you got to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Because I saw my uncles living with their sisters, mm-hmm. living with their mothers. And I was like, nay, you cannot be fucking 30 and 40 years old living at home, having your mother answer the phone saying, Look, I gotta make a phone call. Like I could not imagine my mm. life like that. But I, see, I, did, I, I had all the luxuries growing up, though. I can't say I did not. I had my own phone, my own, you know, yep. TV, cable, all that kind of stuff in my room. Mm-hmm. I had everything that I could ever drink. My refrigerator was in there. I was, I was good. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't. I'm not going to say that my childhood was bad, but I just do believe that childhood does not end at 18. And it, and and it's not and and this is something that I have to have, I had to realize, you know, the the pain that I felt growing up was felt feeling neglected, mm-hmm. and that's because my mother was a foster parent who turned into a doctor parent who turned into a therapist, you know, and I and I saw all I saw my mother work her way through things, so I often choose the hard way to do things because that's what I saw, you know, my mother didn't have the typical life, my mother. Stop going to college because she had me. So she had to figure out another way to have a career. Mm-hmm. And that part of that was becoming a substitute and then eventually a teacher. And that's why I'm trying to make sure this is so different for my nephew. Right. Because, you know, in less than six years, he will be 18. But he's mm-hmm. not going to be the typical 18 where he's going to go get no job. But no. that's starting now, though. That but you're now seeing that doesn't that doesn't start when you turn eighteen. That needs to start and be instilled in that child before you are get- going to college. I want to know what you want to do for a living. What is it that you want to do for a living so we can get that emotion? Upon graduating high school, do you want to take a break? I'm fine with a break, but you're going to college. But you're going to college, right? Right. <laughs> I understand so a break. Really I crazy. needed a break. Whereas though I think in 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 our age groups we had to figure that out. Mm-hmm. It was you know I remember. Let's finishing. get this four years over with as fast as possible. If you're gonna be a doctor, it's gonna yep. be a little bit longer, but we're gonna get this over with. By right. the time you are thirty, you're gonna be a successful in whatever field you want to be in. But you're gonna be on a fast track. But to see, and that's right. that's the that is the part that is missing from the majority of children. Mm-hmm. The plan. Right. The plan is missing. So now children, like, I know I had to come up with my own plan. And it wasn't because I had necessarily a bad mother, but my mother was focused on raising me. And you got to realize the contrast difference to to what we're talking about right now for our Black community to the white community. Because I just sat here and watched my former boss um, 
pay for two weddings in one year for her daughters. Mm-hmm. And proud to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Sent her two daughters, because she had two, two daughters and a son. All mm-hmm. three children went to college and graduated. Now they're all three of them are married. Now that one of the, the son, actually now the daughter is pregnant too now. They're now to give, you know, brand new grandparents. But all of their children have been set up to succeed. Mm. And then they knew <laughs> that they was they were gonna want exactly. And then they knew that they were gonna want to pay for their child's um, weddings their children's weddings mm-hmm. and they made sure they had the money to do that. And it's, but it's, to me, it, it, it always boils down to that plan. And that's the thing that we are missing from our culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying for everybody, because I, I remember uh, one of my mother's first cousin, she, she had uh, three children. Mm-hmm. And for those three children, she saved up a certain amount of money. And when they turned 18, they got this bulk of money. So whatever, if they wanted to go to school, one of my cousins went to hair school, one of my other cousins just became this bougie socialite. So whatever they wanted to do with that lump sum of money, they could do with it. But it was still a way for them to possibly get their first apartment or their first car and or their first car and it, it not them not to struggle. And I think our parents were so focused on just raising us that the plan for what happens after, right. like what, 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 it, and the plan after has to start as a child. So you have to start putting them in. So I was put into every creative program, every outlet. That's why I have a certain mindset and a certain structure with my life now. Like I always, a part of me is always giving back. A part of me is always going to be creative. A part mm-hmm. of me is always going to be attached to the arts because that's the, that was the foundation that I got. But there were holes in that. There were missing parts in that. And I'm not saying, I'm not harping on those missing parts, but you have to acknowledge that that happens. What I'm saying is different today. Those holes are still there. They're bigger holes, but the children are recognizing that now. It's not like my mom is so hard on me. My mom don't let me do anything. I can't go outside. It's not those types of struggles. These children are dealing with, you know, a parent who, who have, who children are grown and they become the oops baby. So now their siblings are 15 years older than them at least. And now they're the child that's holding the parent back. And that child having to internalize that and understand it. But the child now gets it faster than what we would have gotten. We would have just been oblivious to it and not realizing our parents resent us on the low. Some children got that, but I think more children today are feeling resentment from their parents because they became these oops babies. Like, you know, and that's that's why I'm so uneasy about this Nick Cannon situation because Nick has it easy. He can jet around the world. Mariah can jet around the world and do a million things at one time with help. But do those other mothers have that luxury? Will they eventually become like a slave to Nick Cannon's money? Like I gotta, you know, what happens when that child turned 18 and they haven't invested in that money or, you know, did anything to invest in that child so they can get a return and that child becomes a famous whatever. 
that's the part that is worrying me. And that's the part that I, I see in a lot of other people who are just having children with no plan. Like you don't even, I understand a child just comes out of a relationship and you didn't really plan, but you should already have something in your life where if this happens, I'm going to be good. It's going to be a struggle, but I'm going to be good. And even once the baby get there, you don't have a mechanism to strategize. Like, okay, I have this baby. That's so, I want to believe that Will, um, Will, um, Nick Cannon is smart enough that he right. probably already set up a 529 account for all of his children. Um, you know, as soon as they're born, they get their own 529 account. So college is not going to be an issue in the future. Same thing with, yeah. um, I'm sure Mariah probably did the same thing. You know, her financial advisors have probably already told them that you need to do this and, and put something in it every so often because you don't know how exactly yeah. so mm -hmm. that they're all well taken care of. But I'm speaking about the other parents who we don't know to be well off. That's correct. But, but just but based those, on the benefit of having the, that, having his kids, they already see, know those, Chick Chick. Yeah, but. He he, not that trust is not for the mother. Child support is though. <laughs> See, I that's Ching Ching, that. and you know you better know she's already counting on that. Yeah, but and that's my 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 thing. But how is that must? Cause see, what happens is that could be a rich parent who's just fueling life, but that primary custodial parent, that's the that's the that's the parent that the child looks to that's right. the child that the parent learned that the child learns from that's mm -hmm. the parent that the child picks up their personality from mm -hmm. and and this rich parent that just comes in on my days is somebody who i aspire to be or i love when they come around but it's the everyday person that's there that gets the brunt of that and if they're not doing well, the things in life, that, that depends too. Because, um, well, it's only one child, but I'm going to bring um, Chris Brown into this mm -hmm. and his child. They got right. joint custody where the child goes over there a couple days mm -hmm. and stays home with the mom a couple days. Right. I think it's primary with mom, but the visitation is that he gets the child a certain days of the week. Mm -hmm. Don't know if that's going to how he's going to do with um, Nick Cannon and his children. I mean, I don't know. Those are young children. And what the nanny situation might be, you know, all that kind of stuff. Who goes who goes get the child? You know, right, right. Who's doing the transportation? Would a child be at my at Nick Cannon's house when he gets home with the nanny? Who knows? I that's I mean, these are great questions. He has to work this out in his head and and for his family. Cause I don't know what the visitation is for uh, Monroe and Moroccan. I mean, for what it looks like, it, it's just, you know. When he shows up. They have an open space where he can just show up. Yeah, he's always in Mariah's house. And I'm sure the other parents have a similar situation because he's probably financing their their life. And, and what's different about Monroe and Moroccan, they also live in L.A., so. Yeah. And see, that's, that's the one thing. And I was trying to figure out where the other, is it? information on where the other people live or or they're you know they all in that california area because even if they live somewhere in california that's, that's still that would make it a little bit more convenient right then them living on another coast or mm -hmm. in another state or something but it just is 
it's how he's talking about it that makes me cringe because there's so many children who they have both of their parents alive, but one parent is just off living their life or fulfilling their fantasy or or just well, I guess not we won't there. find out until we figure out how how they they the baby's mothers talk about him. And if yeah. they don't do no talking, which they haven't, the only one that you've heard from is the one where the baby died. Some checks um, clear. Or he is a good now father. Checks get cut or he's off. a very good father. I mean, that's the other choice to that. Either the checks clear, or he is a very good father. And I and I and and that is such a relative statement because we won't know until the something children get happens. older. And something right. bad happens. Right. Unfortunately, if something bad happens or he stopped paying them or something like that, and then somebody's right. gonna be in on the news talking about he's not paying me. Yeah. Yeah. But so far, so what I can say about him is so far so good with the uh, the eight now. So mm. far so good. It's, and out of those eight mothers, there are multiple, like Mariah has two, I think it's, it's another mothers. one. It's six mothers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because Mariah has two. It's, I think it's another set of twins as well. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the individual is. I was just saying... The calculus would be six mothers, seven mothers. Yeah, but it's supposed to be allegedly three. I think they were, they were trying to say four, but he didn't deny or confirm either. Yeah, that he had all these oops babies on the way. That's okay. He's going to be fine. I think he's going to, he's probably not going to go the child support route because that's what I don't hear that, um, any of the other arrangements. Are. We would have heard about that if that was the arrangement that it was child support legal legally recognize child support that he just he probably just gives them a stipend a month yeah and it must be worth it because they're not talking but why would you because my child and, and you can't even they can't even argue my child isn't getting the visitation that they deserve because you just had a baby by somebody who clearly is a serial dad mm-hmm this clearly is in that space of being a serial dad. And it just is a weird space. And, and I'm not I'm not judging him at all. I'm not in a space where I am. He's just trying to understand how they all won't get the same attention. Yeah, from that's their and my concern is strictly for the children. Mm-hmm. Like and, and and even if you have three children and the children are you all are at home and married, it's it's a it's a feeling of how do you still give attention to these three children. As a teacher in a classroom, I'm trying to figure out how do I give myself the my attention to all the students in the room. So mm-hmm. I can imagine you having 15 children or 10 children or 11 children and not being able to, you know, keep your eye on them or, you know, you know, address their needs. Because the moment you, it looks like you're giving one children more attention, another child start acting up over here. So mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm just in a space of just not understanding how to relegate that or 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 come in or or figure that out in, in his type of time. And I, I don't have his money. I don't have his time. I don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, uh, open up the door. Uh, just figuring out how to open it. Give me one second. Just trying to figure out how to understand that. 
this I, I that's the part that just makes me uncomfortable about all of it because I don't mm. know how to I, I don't know how I would do that as a parent like how what would I do if I woke up and I had 11 children by six different people mm-hmm. like, what would that look like for me what would that what would that be or I'm just thinking of a I'm just thinking of myself as and put myself in a child's space and figuring out. Well, how I could probably answer that question for you because I think I think for you that motivation would be, I know you would want to be around your children as much as possible, yeah. but you knew you knew that you it's got not, eleven kids that you have to work. Your choice you is not even work. it's not even a choice for you. You have to work, yeah. especially if you want to put them all through college. You need to get your mm-hmm. ass to work now. Get off of here. Yeah. Hey, hit the end button. <laughs> well that's but that's the that's the thing because then you have to work mm-hmm. because you keep having these children. Right. So that's why I say it's a little bit different from Nick Cannon because he is wealthy already, but he still has to continue to work to mm-hmm. make sure he stays wealthy. Right, right, right. In order to take care of his kids. Because again, yeah. like I said, he is probably paying the mothers a stipend to not take him to child support, to not make any legal obligations um, noted. He's given them what they, what he believes they're worth and what they will accept, so he can continue mm. to work and do and and still do all of this dirt. Because they they had to realize when they got with him, he had no intentions on settling down with them. He tried and that, he, probably- he failed at it, and he doesn't probably want to do it again. And, and not even speculating on their side, but they probably all thought they were going to be the one to get him. And he or, probably, and I bet you, knowing the can and his jokey ass, he probably explained to them up front that this is not going to be that. I'm going to have sex with somebody else tomorrow. That's clearly, how you got pregnant, remember? You got pregnant, and that pregnant, and that pregnant, and that pregnant. That's that's how this was going to work out. Because apparently he don't like space, condoms for some right, reason. I'm just in a space of how do you, how do you, how do you fix your mouth to say that? How do you adjust your conversation? And not even for him saying it. How do you, as a person that's in the lineup, say, okay, so this, this is what I meant, and you're mm-hmm. justified? Like, is he still sleeping with all of you? Is he, you know, is it like one done, baby come out, that's it? Next. Like, like, what is the? I, I'm well, curious. it couldn't have been a one and done because he wouldn't. I don't think he would have answered the phone mm. from somebody that he just wanted a one time with. Well, it wasn't no, like a one no, night stand. But from his interviews, this was a plan. Like he planned to have these babies. Like I, I that's why I said I believe all of this was not happen. new to him because yeah. he's like I said he was the only child. He mm. wanted a big family. That's typically how it works with these only child. I'm gonna plan. Like, did you not want that whole family in the house with you? Did you not plan to have that family as one big family? No, but that goes back to what I said before, where I said I think he tried the married thing, he tried the family environment, it was not for him. Mm. But he can still build this big family. It might be divided a little bit, but he can still build a big family. Right, right. And his home is going to have to be the central location for that. When you want them all together, you need to make sure that you can make that ability for you to have all your children in one space. Can you provide? Can you provide a house where everybody has their own bedroom? He can. Mm-hmm. But can you can you show up to 
the the things that's important to them across the board. I believe he can. I believe he can. You got a lot because of because he's his, he's his own boss. I and I get that. I get that. But can you make it to every event or every family? Well, I don't know about him? every event. He probably would make the schedule to the ones mm-hmm. that he can really make it to. If he can't make it to because he's taping wilding out at six o'clock in the afternoon, he can't make it to your soccer game. Then you have to understand he has to work. But I, I hope that's a part of the conversation that he begins to have with his children as they are getting older. I agree. That then becomes a part of the conversation. Well, hopefully he gets them involved. I'm sure he's probably going to have working kids. Right. But Believe it, it, me, if they're cute, they're going to be working. Yeah, but I, I, I still <laughs> feel he like... Was that he was working. Yeah. As a child actor. But I, I, I would hope that that's something that's then communicated. So that my role in Moroccan is getting a check right now. Well, yeah, of course they're gonna get one. Both of them <laughs> probably get one. They both getting checks. Yes. But I, I just feel like it should be something that then is communicated so they don't go out and replicate that model. Yeah. With their children or with the people that they come across because that becomes very unhealthy at some point. And if what, he can, what if I do believe is probably gonna be his hereditary thing with his male children. They see what their father did. Right. Now, now they're going to grow up wealthy and be wealthy when they become adults and do the same thing. And that's, that's, and, and that's, that's going to be the allegiance of his family. Uh, he's going to always have divided sets of families. Yeah. It, that's probably going to be his legacy. It becomes a part of, it, it becomes a part of the, um, it's just it's an unhealthy pattern because if Nick can handle this, that doesn't mean that his sons, just because they also will have the money, will be able to handle that. And if it's and it's what's the what is you know what's really going to happen is that it's going it is going to fall on those mothers. It's going to fall on those mothers to show a different example because right. it's going to be her home that's the primary home. So she's going to have to show if she don't want this to be a repeat performance and their children to grow up to be just like their father. They're going to have to show them, she's going to have to show them a home, a whole home, meaning she's going to have to get married, whether it's the Nick Cannon or somebody else, she's going to have to form a home. Mm -hmm. If she doesn't want them children to go down that same path, because their only examples right now is their mother, who was a oops, and then their father, who's a whore. So that's your examples. But but that's what that. But I, and I get that, and that's that's just what it is. That's the circumstance. But when you build it as a circumstance, and it's not just mm-hmm. oh, this happened because you gotta fight happen, for your own development, I'll and that would be that's gonna fall on the mother. I'll give you three oopses. I'll give mm-hmm. you three oopses. But when you start going to eight, nine, ten, <laughs> left, like now, this is a strategy for you, and you're building unhealthy habits in your children. Because the same way that the, the sons will grow up and use their money and influence and begin to do this to other women, his daughters will also become the women who do this. So that's the part that I, that's why I said I look at it across the board and not just for one, one side of it or because he has money, they'll be okay. Because I'm looking at, well, those boys are going to have to make with somebody's child mm-hmm. in order to be this person. So, you know, 
put it in, put it, have the communication right now so they understand like this is my personality. It doesn't have to be your personality. This mm-hmm. doesn't have to be your choice. And who knows? They may, he may, all his children may become very, you know, monogamous people and, and don't want that type of lifestyle because they saw that, you know, they saw the effects of how it affected them, mm-hmm. how it affected their their parents, and they may not want it. That, well, that most of great. them are still young. Um, anyway, right now. So maybe he'll be a different person in five years. Yeah, but it still exists on the internet. That's the that's the difference now. Right, that's but it's still difference. in what you instill in your children. That's what I said. Maybe he'll be a different person in five years. He might be settled down in five years. And mm-hmm. in five years, by him being settled down, he will still be showing those younger children a different end result. Mm, yeah, yeah. Hopefully... Hopefully, I mean, he only got what about ten good years in this um, being able to be this goofy. I mean, because he still looks youthful. He's our age, but he still looks youthful. But he only got about five more years. I I would give it five more years to be this adolescent goofy person. Yeah, but in that five years, you know, his oldest children will be almost adults, if not adults at that point, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the rest of them will be at an age where. They do see that he's he can't be there for everything. And and that's the part. And and I'm I'm speaking on Nick Cannon's situation, but this is a scenario that many of us on a local level can understand. And we see that. I'm seeing it in the school system. We all have family members and friends that go through stuff like this. So it becomes um it becomes just a part of how we deal with, you know our traumas because this is something he's not doing this because he just one day walked woke up and was like you know what i want to have a tribe of children you know Mm -hmm. it was a part of his study i believe but it was also like something has had to happen where he felt like this was an option like his life being put on in the balance in terms of his health you know Mm -hmm. and him thinking you know i gotta have as many children as i can have to keep my name going but that's not how you do that because you could have just mentored a bunch of fucking children. You didn't have to have them yourself. You could have started a mentoring program. They didn't have to be your children. Right. That took your legacy on. Like that, I think that's a that's a part of that toxic masculinity that where you you think the number of children or your seeds being planted all over will will bring you prosperity in terms of legacy and such. But yeah, I, I just, I'm concerned with how it will affect them because those children go ahead to be around a child that I may know or have, or, you know, that's what I'm concerned about. Because if he, I think he like them hood and bougie. So he, it don't, as long as they keep. I think that's all that matters to him. If he has access to them and they keep. But uh, yeah, this has been. I don't know why that's been on my mind. Like his story has been on my mind for a minute and only because I see them continuously dragging Kiki Wyatt. <clears throat> I just see them continuously dragging them. We, but, but you see, you see also huge families like the Jacksons. We see how kind of screwed up some of them were. And that's, that's a bunch of children, but that was all under one roof. 
allegedly, I think he has other children. So maybe there wasn't all under one roof, but they don't even talk about them other children. So, but yeah, that's that's a, just another, and that that's the example that I have in my family. Huge families like that, where you just have any children, but there's very little understanding about money and financing and and all that. But now these people have the money to be able to take care of them. Um, but does that mean that they're going to be any better off because you have the money and the resource to be able to um, sustain having a handful of children, if not mm -hmm. more than that? Uh, yeah. Whew. A handful of children. Okay, well, oh, no, that was you getting ready to start talking. Uh, yeah, I'm just... It makes my hair hurt just thinking about it because I can imagine. I'm I'm stressing over. I want one child by the time I'm 45, so I can only imagine what that would be like. And I wish I would have had my child young, like the rest of my friends did, as teenagers, <laughs> and had a child because they would be grown by now. Uh, but like my niece is 19 now. So I, I wonder if I would have had a child when I was 18, that child would be grown right now. But I would also have to worry about grandchildren. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so that was, that was just a story that was on my heart for a while, months now. Because I'm watching all these interviews with him and I just feel somebody, where's Steve Harvey now? Where's he at now? Where, where are all the Denzel Washingtons and Chip now? They all jumped to will defense, but some of them need to call, go knock on um, the cannon's door and be like, hey, bro, slow your roll. Get a vasectomy or something. But his game is to have the children, is not to avoid having them. So, like you said, he must like it wrong. So, ladies. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Hmm. I wonder if he would date somebody with children, though. Or be with someone with children. Well, this has been another edition of the, <laughs> the Artist Exchange. Next week, I'm not going to be as tired because um, my last day in the class is the 15th. And then I have a couple of weeks before I start my summer programming. Um, so I won't be as tired. Um, but I appreciate you all for tuning in. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can go to our Be Exposed page. We're on every uh, Spotify, Google Play, um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Go follow us like our pages, subscribe to them, so you can get a notification when we go live. You can go to our Facebook page and get a notification, go to our YouTube page. You can follow the Artist Exchange on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter's about to be ending because Twitter getting real slimy and I don't like uh, what's going on there, but uh, my website will be up shortly. You'll be able to find uh, all of our events that we're doing as the Artist Exchange, as Bad Shop Blue Jewelry, 
you'll be able to find all those events in one location. Um, and yeah, stay tuned, look out for the pages. You'll see where I'm going over the weekend. If again, if you have any events that you have in and you wanna promote them or market them by with an interview, if you're looking for uh, a space to be able to promote your business, your brand, your products, your services, uh, you can message uh, me directly at the Artist Exchange Radio Show at gmail.com or info at bexposedradio.com. You can also go to our website at bexposedmedia.com or bexposedradio.com and check out all the latest shows, all the past shows, some new shows. Um, if you're looking to bring your brand to a different platform, hit us up at info at bexposedradio.com. Also, if you have any events, you can hit me up directly again, either via uh, social media or by way of uh, email at info, no, show at gmail.com. And I'll be out and about. Um, we, I have a couple events coming up. The pop-up shops on Saturdays from 11 to 4. We also have the Black, um, the Black to the Future event, which will be on the 25th. Um, we have a great speaker, Mr. Coach Scroggins, that will be uh, giving a conversation on how to um, reach out for funding. Um, and you'll be able to actually learn how to write a letter of intent. So definitely check us out. And that is every month, the Black to the Future event sponsored by the Baltimore Black Arts District Band. Uh, uh, every month, myself and uh, Shinya Wright will curate, co-curate that event. And it's really geared towards giving business owners and um, giving business owners, entrepreneurs, artists, the tools, the resources, the financing, the funding, all the things that they need, the wraparound services, providing that we always have at least two or three resources there that are either financial or some type of wraparound support system for artists, for entrepreneurs, for creatives. Um, and we have, you get free headshots. They're now free massages. And we're at the Be More Green uh, space off of North Avenue. Um, I forgot that cross street right there, but it's on North Avenue. A um, couple blocks up from, I believe, Fulton and North Avenue on the right-hand side going west. Um, so definitely come check us out. Go to my page and you'll be able to see that. Also, um, if you go to either the Artist Exchange page or the Red Shop Blue Jewelry page, I am one of the emerging artists uh, on off the off the rack uh, for Baltimore Fashion Week this year. So I'll be showcasing some designs. Um, I already have our models. Um, we're ske I'm sketching out some designs right now. That's why I'm on the floor because I'm cutting fabric and um, testing out some designs um, to better uh, put things together. So look out for that. Um, we have an event at the end of this month, actually on the same day, the 25th, we'll have a pop-up here with Miss Jay Nicole. She'll be back um, uh, doing some vittles. So if you like, you wanna try your hand at vegan eating, which is very good if I may add myself, especially when Jay Nicole is cooking. Um, come on by. We have some samples of her piece, her uh, work uh, here. She also does the teas. Um, I'll have some shops, and we'll actually have two other vendors here as well. So that promotion will go out this weekend. 
So we look forward to you stopping by. And always, um, if you go to my page, you'll have, I'll, I'm going to put out a calendar link where you can book your personal shopping days if you have some special needs to be able to come by and um, showcase your work. So again, this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show, Real Artist, Real Talk, Real Live, only on BeExposedRadio.com. Peace out, people. Good night. Thank you.